It's time for Drive-By Theology with Dr. Steve Lawson and Todd Friel. Just three little words. Ordo salutis. Todd, those are two words. Whatever. Uh, Welcome to Lecture 28 of Drive-By Theology, talking about soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, and two, three, who's counting? Little Latin words, ordo salutis. Translation and meaning. It means the order by which God's grace is applied to the life of the one who is saved. It's the sequence from A to B to C by which God applies his saving mercy and grace to a person's life. Why Why do we have to know this? Because it's taught in the Bible. Okay, that's an acceptable answer, but what does it do for me? This is about me. Sir, (laughs) It shows the expansive nature of God's salvation beginning in eternity past, coming through time, extending into eternity future. This is like flying over downtown New York City and seeing the entire landscape in one view. It's breathtaking to see the enormity of God's saving grace. Would it be fair to say that an implication of this is if I am the type of Christian who has a tendency to be a little bit wobbly need, I'm perhaps a bruised reed, does this help me be assured, be comforted in my salvation? Absolutely, because you see how great is the salvation that God has bestowed upon you And it puts everything in right perspective. Our problems and trials suddenly are seen smaller as God's grace is seen greater. So there's a value in knowing this information. Plus, it also shows us all of the different ologies that we've been talking about, how they actually work and how the Bible does indeed make sense. And it is at the very least coherent. It's how it all fits together into one tapestry of truth. So here is the Ordo Salutis, the order of salvation. Here we go. Number one, some very emotional music is played. Number two, you are begged to come to the altar. Number three, you bow your head and close your eyes and ask Jesus into your heart. I am sorry. I This is... This is the wrong theology lecture. That is not at all how the Ordo Salutis happens, is it? Uh, No, no, not quite. In fact, what you just outlined is not in the Bible. (laughs) But it sure is used a lot these days. Step number one in the Ordo Salutis, and we, like James Brown, will break it down, foreknowledge. The first thing in our salvation is foreknowledge. That seems like it is not even close to when I got saved. No, this occurred in eternity past when God chose to set his grace upon those whom he has elected unto salvation. The word foreknowledge does not mean foresight. The word foreknowledge means those whom God previously loved with distinguishing grace. So God, before he created the universe, you're telling me he knew every single detail of everything, and he... Before the sun rose for the first time, he elected people to salvation. That is exactly what the Bible says. Number two would be election, then. So foreknowledge and election. Yes, election would be that actual choice of those whom he has previously chosen to love. And predestination would be number three. Yes, predestination is the sealing and guaranteeing of his electing choice, making it irrevocable. Now, these words election, 
predestination, even foreknowledge, have been the source of great debate amongst Christians for centuries now. So my encouragement is, everybody hold your fire, let's make our way through the Ordo Salutis, and then let's just make our way through the Bible to see if these words are supported and defined for us. The next word now in the Ordo Salutis would be the general call. Did that happen in eternity past? No, that happens within time. We've now stepped out of eternity past, and we now are in time. And the general call is the free offer of the gospel. It is the gospel invitation to whosoever will. And no one can be saved or called effectually until they first hear the saving message of Christ. And that is our next step, if you will, the effectual call differentiated from the general call. Yes, this is a smaller concentric circle within the general call. It is God drawing and summoning all those whom he chose in eternity past. It is a divine subpoena. Regeneration. This is the impartation of divine life to the spiritually dead soul. It is synonymous with being born again. Now, this is another contentious area. Our next two steps, if you will, are repentance and faith. And I suggest that it's contentious because some people would say, no, repentance and faith happens, then regeneration. You're saying regeneration happens first, then repentance and faith. Yes. Regeneration both precedes and produces repentance and faith. And we've already discussed repentance and faith in our definitions. The next step would be justification. Yes, this is where God now declares to be righteous those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Adoption, which we've talked about? Yes, these are those who are brought into the family of God as believers in Christ and given all of the privileges of an adult child in a family. And two more steps, which we will be talking about, sanctification and glorification. Sanctification is the setting apart of the believer from the world unto the Lord Jesus Christ in the pursuit of holiness. Should all of these steps be considered chronologically or logically? Sanctification is that work of grace by which the believer in Jesus Christ is set apart from the defilements of this world unto the holiness of Christ and the pursuit of holiness in a person's life. Glorification is stepping out of time now into eternity future, and it is being made fully in the image of Christ, our sin nature is eradicated, and we now stand faultless before the throne of God. That is the summary, as always, with systematic theology. These are not made-up, fanciful categories. These have been determined based on Bible verses. So let's go take a look at all of the Bible verses that use words like election and calling and predestination and see if this little ordo salutis that you just gave us is indeed biblical. Because you, Steve Lawson, are not the authority, are you? No, I'm not. There's only one authority, and it is the Bible. Romans 8.30 is probably the most concise Bible verse that captures many of these words. It goes a little something like this. And these whom he predestined, he also called... And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, that doesn't have all of our words that we just heard in the Ordo Salutis. 
but it does give us a bit of a sequence. Yes, it does, from 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to 5. Actually, this verse begins in eternity past, sweeps through time, and consummates in eternity future. Would it be fair to just come up with a slightly shorter list to summarize it by saying, first, it was God's foreknowledge, then predestination, then calling, then justification, then glorification. Exactly. Okay, so that will maybe be a little framework for us. Let's dive into now more Bible verses that talk about all of these different terms. Matthew twenty four twenty two. unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Jesus is calling believers present while he was on earth and in the future elected people. Yes, it means those who were chosen by the Father. And what is that what the word election actually means? Yes, it's a Greek word, eklegomai, which means to choose out from among many possibilities. Matthew 24, 24, Matthew 24, 31, talking about in the future the trumpet will sound, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds. Mark 13, 20, Luke 18, 7, 2 Timothy 2, 10, Acts 13.48, 1 Corinthians 1.26-29, through 29, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He has chosen the weak to shame the strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God." talking about God calling, electing certain people. The word elect is not just used once, or it's not just a theological term that some scholars created later. It's a very biblical term. It is used by both the Lord Jesus Christ and all the apostles. Colossians 3.2, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, etc. Again, God choosing people. Acts 13, 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Please note, first God appoints, then man believes. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. Not our choice of God, but God's choice of us. I have decided... To follow Jesus. How am I doing? Uh, the only reason you decided is because God in eternity past decided. No, I mean, how was my singing? Uh, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Elvis was still with us. Oh, man. First Thessalonians 5, 9. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14. And by the way, he is. <laughs> James 2, 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. Steve, there are some people who would say, yes, uh, God chose us after we made a decision. No, it's a misunderstanding of the Ordo Salutis, and it is a misunderstanding, first of all, the word foreknowledge. Some people think that God looked down the tunnel of time to see who would choose Christ, and then once God foresees who choose Christ, then the Father would choose that person. But first of all, God has never learned anything. We talked about that in theology proper. God never looks into the future to see what anyone will do. God already knows everything. 
if God was only looking in the future, all he would see is no one could believe upon Christ because spiritually dead people cannot believe. Instead, what this means is, is that God previously set his heart upon those whom he will save. Some people would say, that sounds kind of mean. No, it is very gracious of God. First of all, he didn't have to choose to save anyone. Second, that God would choose even one person is amazing grace. We all deserve to go to hell. It is God, by his mercy, who has chosen to save those whom he will save. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. We have perhaps shared 12, 15 verses, with our summary verse being Romans 8.30, that accurately portrays the ordo salutis, the order of salvation which leads us to conclude and really strengthen a subject that we talked about earlier in soteriology, and that is salvation is by grace alone. Jesus taught this very clearly in Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. That is by the grace of God that we have had the Father revealed to us. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says that he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Another verse that talks about that election before all of eternity, 1 Peter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus to people scattered all over the place who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. Wow, you got great Trinitarian theology right there. And be sprinkled with his blood. That is his opening greeting, talking about election, foreknowledge, not made-up terms, but biblical terms, and not just a couple of places all over the place. All over. And this saving grace is so Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together to save these who are chosen. Also, 1 Peter 1, 18 and following, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Now, somebody might hear this and want to push it away because it's hard. What would you say to that person upon hearing now 12, 15, 20 verses that talk about the Ordo Salutis? You must come to the place where you realize that God is larger than your intellect and larger than your emotions, and to read the Bible and accept it for what it says, and humble yourself under the teaching of Scripture, and if it is taught by God in the Bible, to gladly embrace it. 
And just in case it is necessary, some whipped cream and a cherry, Romans 8, 28 through 29, and Romans 11, 2, all using the terms election and foreknowledge. But there has been another word that we heard in the Ordo Salutis that we've been hearing here and there, and that word is calling. There is a general call. So when a preacher preaches to a thousand people, that would be a general call. Those who have responded to the good news of the gospel call, that would be considered the effectual call because, well, it it worked. It did something. It's always effective. Just like it says in Romans 8.30, those whom he predestined, he also called. Romans 1.6, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.9, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, 1 Peter 2.9, Acts 16.14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening So she was hearing a general call, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by God, an example of a lot of people hearing preaching, but she actually responded. A general call versus an effectual call. Matthew 22, 14 talks about this calling. John 11, 1 through 44 talks about this general versus effectual call. Acts 17, 13 through 31, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Revelations twenty two seventeen. That is a lot of Bible verses that use this term calling, so we do well to understand what it is and isn't. Yes, that is very true. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. It is this call of the shepherd to his sheep that we're talking about. So a lot of sheep can hear it, but the elected sheep are the ones who respond to it, and that is the effectual call. 1 Peter one twenty three, James one eighteen, Second Thessalonians two four. I'm on and on we go to our next term, which is regeneration. Starting with Titus three five, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of here comes our word regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Regeneration is also referred to by the metaphor of the new birth. John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 7 of John 3, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. And then the next verse, John 3, verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, Jesus said, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. John 1, 12 through 13, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Ezekiel even talks about this regenerating new birth in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. Colossians 2, 13, when you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our transgressions. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the next step being regeneration, which then leads to the subjects we talked about earlier, repentance and faith, which then produces justification, which we've discussed, which then leads to sanctification, which then leads to glorification. And all of this work is accomplished by the third member of the Trinitarian Godhead, the Holy Spirit, which we will discuss next. This was Lecture 28 of Drive-By Theology.